Welcome to the Beehive Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Joe Bees. Welcome, everybody, to the Maiden Voyage, the pilot episode of the Beehive Sports Podcast. I'm Joe. I'm going to be your weekly host. I'm going to use this segment, the introductory segment, to just kind of tell you a little bit about myself and uh, what I plan on doing with everything, a little bit about the segments. Um, I do hope that everybody will bear with me while I get this all up and running. Uh, it has definitely been a challenge. I'm using a couple of different programs that I knew nothing about, so I'm uh, learning all of it kind of on my own here uh, with the help of Google, of course, but uh, just trying to learn these programs, do the editing. I'm actually uh, doing all the music for the show. Uh, the reason for that is because if I uh, use Spotify's music, then I can only uh, publish the podcast on Spotify. Uh, as of right now, uh, it will be published also on Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public, as well as Anchor, which is the the main uh, source of where the uploading goes. So uh, it has been a challenge, like I said, but uh, hoping they get better as I go. Um, really want to reach my ultimate goal to make this show as super average as possible. Uh, I'd like to throw a quick thank you out to Dominica, the Dominator Schwanky. Uh, without her prompt artwork, I wouldn't have been able to get the Facebook page up and running so quick. Uh, I told her I wanted my head to look like a beehive. I think she nailed it. Uh, so I want to give a thanks to her. Also, a thanks to David Pooh Bear Rounds. He provided me with some sound clips that are going to be the introductions into the segments. Uh, both of those two folks were very quick to get me what I needed, and I really appreciated it. So it's nice to have uh, some friends contributing to help make all this get going. So a little bit about myself. I'm a 2002 graduate of Warren Area High School. Uh, from there, I went on to Edinburgh University of Pennsylvania, where I studied sport administration, graduated with that degree. It uh, didn't take long after for me to realize that uh, there wasn't a lot of jobs in that field, so to say. And uh, the I learned also that a lot of the people who were in the program with me also struggled, you know, looking into jobs in that field. Uh, I do know of one person, my buddy Kel Renzel. Uh, he's the head groundskeeper for the Great Lakes Loons in Michigan. And uh, for, he actually went there. Uh, he had previously been with the Greenville Astros, and he actually sent me a lot of cool memorabilia, uh, autographed ball from their championship team that has Kyle Tucker on it. Uh, I think he sent me a Jose Altuve bobblehead, just kind of some cool stuff like that. He met a lot of really good baseball players uh, doing what he does. So pretty neat, but um, – so I got out of the program, couldn't find a job. I ended up in Erie PA in the casino business, uh, which was uh, a blessing and a curse. I uh, thought it was something that I was really, really going to enjoy. And I did. I met a lot of really great people. Uh, but the way to move up in that industry is to kind of move around. And casinos are popping up all over the place nowadays. So uh, but that just wasn't really something I was looking to do. I didn't want to uh, be in a place for a short period of time just to pack up and go to another place. And so I ended up, uh, you know, getting out of that type of work. The one really great thing about working at the casino was in 2012. That's when I started dating Devin. 
who's now my wife. We were married in 2016. Uh, she worked at the casino as well. So that was where we met. Uh, so that is one plus about the whole experience also. Um, in 2014, I took a job with the City of Warren Police Department. So uh, Devin and I and the dog BGO packed up and we moved down here to Warren, uh, back to my old stomping grounds. And I've been with the department seven years now. Uh, really, really like it there. It's a great department, good group of guys. Uh, I really think I found my calling getting into law enforcement. Uh, outside of work, I enjoy playing a lot of recreational sports. I just took up golf about five years ago now. I'm still not very good. Working diligently every summer to get better. I have a lot of friends who are really, really good at golf. And uh, it's pretty embarrassing when I'm hitting every fucking tree down the fairway and slowing them up. So I'm, I'm really working to get better at that. It's a new challenge that I've really embraced and I look forward to hopefully getting out here relatively soon. Uh, last summer was my last summer playing softball. I retired. Uh, we went out on top in the Sunday slow pitch league, which was pretty cool. Uh, I just lost my love for that game to a point. Uh, the only thing that I'm truly going to miss is the guys I played with. I had a, just such a fun team. We were laughing constantly. Uh, the entire time I was down there, I know I was smiling just because of the people who I was around. I was Munch and Wes, Brendo, Tori, Todd, all those guys. Uh, Going to miss getting together with them every week, but I know I'll still see them around. I still do play flag football. Um, that is something that I don't think I will give up until my body doesn't allow me to play anymore. Uh, the Cornerstone Snakes, three-time champs, probably – I love that team. That is one of my favorite teams I've ever played for. We have a blast and we win. So it's a good time. Um, on to the segments of the show. Um, they're going to be broken down into a few different types of segments. And I'm not sure if I'm going to hit each one each week or, or how it's going to go yet. I'm just kind of seeing, seeing where the show takes me. Um, one of the segments is going to be current events, which will probably be the first segment. Uh, each week will be like what's happening in the sports world right now. The history of sports uh, that week, that particular week. So it's going to be uh, something that took place, you know, back in whatever year. And we're going to just rehash it, discuss it. If it was something that was, you know, took the world sports world by storm or, or whatever it might have been. So just going to look up something each week to kind of bring back and talk about. I'm going to do a segment called The Things That Sting. That's going to be the worst stories in sports uh, for that week, uh, whether it be civil suits or player injuries or whatever it might be, just uh, something that's bad news. Uh, just kind of talk that about that a little bit. I'm also going to do a segment each week that's going to be regarding the two teams that I follow, uh, the two teams I follow religiously the Buffalo Bills, Houston Astros. Uh, so I'm going to get into them actually a little bit later too on this show. Uh, I do watch other sports. I'm not limited to just baseball and football uh, or NFL football. I watch a ton of college football. I just have never given an allegiance to one team. So it 
kind of makes it nice because that's one less stressful day for the week. But uh, it is. I, st- I still am watching it just about every Saturday. I love when uh, Maction starts and you get the Tuesday, Wednesday night games. I College football, I can't get enough of it. Just like I said, I just don't have a team who I, who I love and follow dearly. So uh, same with NHL, except for I don't watch it nearly as much. I do love watching the NHL playoffs. I don't, I think a lot of people will agree there's, not much better than NHL playoffs. So, uh, but we'll dabble and do a little bit of everything. But uh, yeah, so I just wanted to give myself a quick introduction to you guys. Um, thank you for listening again. And I uh, look forward to having you follow in the future. And uh, don't forget, you can check out the Facebook page. It's Beehive Sports Podcast. Uh, I'll be posting on there every time an episode is launched. And, um, That'll be it for now. We'll take a short break and get back to the next segment. Let's take a look back at this week in sports history. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Beehive Sports Podcast. This next segment is going to be called This Week in Sports History. Uh, What we're going to do each week is travel back to a story or event that might have captivated us at the time and just revisit it a little bit. And uh, This week, I thought since the Elite Eight was right around the corner that we could go back to uh, an Elite Eight run that I remember quite well. It was the Davidson Wildcats uh, in the March Madness tournament. Uh, Some of you might know, some of you might not, that in 2008, I was actually living in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I did my internship in UT Chattanooga in the athletic department. I worked in media relations with my boss, Owen Seaton. I shared an office with uh, Jeff Romero, Ann Weehunt, Jim Horton. They were all great people. Uh, Took me under their wing and taught me a lot about the media side of sports and how it all works and the etiquette and everything that comes along with it. Uh, So I started my internship. It would have been the second week of January. So while I was relatively new, the men's basketball team was traveling on the road to play a game against the Davidson Wildcats. Uh, They came back 85, 58 losers of that game with Steph Curry dropping 37. But the real story of the game uh, from the school standpoint and the fan side of everything was uh, late in the game, a player by the name of Matt Gwen uh, threw an elbow at one of the Davidson players. 
It was actually caught on camera and posted to YouTube. And he served as a suspension uh, because of the, the evidence that was found. If I remember correctly, I don't think it was caught during the game. And the, the video that actually surfaced, uh, he served a suspension for that. But what it did was it fired up the fans. And uh, everybody had their calendar circled for February 2nd when Davidson was going to be traveling back to UT Chattanooga for their uh, second match. So that was my first like real experience of a, a D1 atmosphere at a college basketball game, the fan section and uh, or the student section and, and all that. Uh, my job was actually uh, during these home games was I was up high in the arena, McKenzie Arena, uh, the roundhouse, as they called it. And I was filming the game and it was being broadcasted live over the Internet so that uh, Chattanooga Mox alumni uh family of players and, and fans alike could could actually pay for a streaming service and watch the watch the games that they couldn't attend. There was no sound with it. It was uh yeah, it was just camera back and forth and the scoreboard during uh TV timeouts and and halftime and such. Uh this game started out pretty poorly and uh as far as the mocks were concerned it was 48-24 at halftime. It was looking like uh, another blowout was on the way. Uh, Nikias Dokes actually led the game in scoring with 26 and brought Chattanooga all the way back. Uh, they ended up losing the game by seven. And uh, Curry was held to 24 points, which by his standards at that time was uh, pretty low. But uh, one of the cool parts about that game, though, was after the game, you know, I come down onto the floor to assist with whatever was needed, and I actually got to meet him. Uh, and not knowing at the time, uh, that I was standing next to and, and talking to, uh, probably the greatest shooter in NBA history. I mean, a kid can make a shot from anywhere on the damn floor. Uh, so it was just pretty funny to look back and think about, like, he was just a college kid and a big baggy Davidson Jersey and barely filled the thing out. He's pretty small. Um, so we all know Davidson went on to uh, run the table in the Southern Conference, and uh, they went into the Southern Conference tournament and defeated Wofford, UNC, Greensboro, and Elon uh, to get that to secure the 10 seed in uh, the um, N64 tournament. So they get matched up as a 10 seed against the 7 seed Gonzaga. And uh, Gonzaga at halftime had a 10-point lead until Curry came out in the second half and dropped 30 on him for a total of 40, and the uh, upset was on. And Gonzaga goes down. So a 10 beating a 7, I don't think too many people were really all that uh, concerned at the time or their heads weren't really turning. Uh, but what was to come was really when uh, – the Davidson and Curry train really started rolling. They get matched up with number two, Georgetown. And uh, Georgetown has a 17 point lead with 17 minutes and 52 seconds left in the game. Uh, when uh, Curry ends with the game with 30 and brings Davidson back to a 74 70 win. Uh, over George, number two, Georgetown. So that gets them into the Sweet 16, and now people are starting to talk. 
They get matched up with number three, Wisconsin. They take them to the half tied 36, 36. Uh, they outscore Wisconsin by 17 in the second half. Curry has 33 and they're moving on to the elite eight. That was unfortunate that this was the end of the road for that Cinderella story. They get matched with number one, Kansas, who uh, a week later won the tournament. And uh, Curry drops 25 in a 59-57 loss. So they lose to the one seed by two points. On the final possession of the game, uh, they had doubled Curry, and it was impossible for him to get the final shot off with time running out. He heaves it to Jason Richards, who shoots from uh, the one article I read said out of the next zip code. And uh, misses misses the deep three, and and Davidson's run is over. All right, that'll do it for this week in sports history. I'm glad I was able to share that story. It's one that always kind of makes me chuckle, uh, thinking about who I was standing next to and having no idea about it at the time. Uh, like I said, just a kind of a scrawny kid in a big baggy Davidson jersey and making buckets from all over the damn court. So, uh. And another thing to add on top of that, uh, it is fun, the Cinderella stories. I know we all enjoy watching those, even though half the time they're the reasons your brackets get busted and it pisses you off. But at the same time, it's fun to watch these big schools uh, get taken down by, you know, ones that don't have the financial backing or the, uh, you know, the fan base, the following, whatever it might be. So uh, that'll be it. We'll take a short break and be right back. time for the things that sting the worst stories in sports according to joe all right everyone welcome back to the bi sports podcast this next segment is going to be called the things that sting and uh, it is going to be based around shitty sports stories that are happening uh, around the sports world uh it could be involving a player it could be involving a team an organization a league uh, any and all are possible uh, so let's get to it. Uh, this week's story is going to be regarding uh, the saga in Houston, Texas, regarding Deshaun Watson, uh, not only having issues with his trade demands, but now has 14 lawsuits alleging sexual assault and inappropriate conduct filed in Harris County. Uh, so we're going to get into a few of those lawsuits and, and talk about some of the things that are within them. Uh, the most recent one, which just came Monday, Uh, It is out of California, which is only the second of the 14 that happened outside of the Houston area. Uh, This plaintiff alleges that they arranged a meeting for a massage over Instagram. Uh, Once Deshaun arrived at the address, uh, he led the plaintiff to a room, locked the door behind them, forced the plaintiff's hand onto his penis, and... During the the midst of all of this, uh, said to the plaintiff, 
I will not have you sign an NDA, but don't ever talk about this. And that is a direct quote from the, the actual affidavit. Uh, Watson's attorney calls all of these allegations meritless. Uh, so in, in some of the other lawsuits, and we'll, we'll go back to the dates and stuff in which these are occurring. Uh, there's a wide range of dates uh, from lawsuit one, which uh, allegedly happened in March of 2020. And going all the way up to uh, one of the lawsuits stating that it was just a few weeks ago. Uh, there was some activity in one of the lawsuits in August. One of the lawsuits in uh, lawsuit number four uh, took place once in September, once in October of 2020. Uh, so in lawsuit one, uh, this is uh, another um, arranged over Instagram type of, of encounter. Uh, the plaintiff alleges that 25 minutes into the session, uh, she knew that Watson was there for one reason, and that was for sex. She says that uh, by the time this was all uh, unfolding, she began crying. And uh, right before Watson left, he stated, and this is a quote from the affidavit, I know you have a career and a reputation, and I know you would hate for someone to mess with yours just like I don't want anyone to mess with mine. When you go to lawsuit number two, uh, this is a uh, massage therapist from Atlanta who Watson flew into Houston after arranging a massage with her. Uh, the massage is to be completed at a local hotel. Uh, she alleges that when Watson came into the hotel room, he stripped completely nude. Uh, she recommended that he cover with a towel he refused and she left before uh, anything else could have happened. Uh, getting into lawsuit number three, which this is the one from December of 2020, uh, the lawsuit alleges that Watson forced the plaintiff to perform oral sex on him and was afraid of what someone like Watson could do if she didn't. Uh, at this point, after lawsuit number three, is now when the NFL. Uh, makes a statement alleging that they are uh, launching an investigation as well. The thing about these lawsuits and, and things like this is, is a lot of people will rush to say it's a cash grab and why, why wouldn't they go to the police? Well, this is where this one's actually interesting because Tony Busby, who's, who's representing all of the plaintiffs as far as I have read so far, uh, he stated in Instagram, an Instagram post that he would be submitting affidavits and evidence from several women to the Houston Police Department as well as the district attorney's office. And he also will request a grand jury uh, to consider the evidence for potential charges. So this is going to the next level, to the criminal level, where they aren't just looking for a financial gain here. Uh, you know, th there is actually movement to take this into the criminal process. Uh, so this is in in a lot of these high profile cases, it's actually rare. You don't typically see them reach this level. Um, so it, it's uh, definitely something to keep an eye on as we move forward. Uh, and I think, as I had previously said, Watson's attorney uh, in his statement has said that these are all meritless. So, uh, I mean, if this really reaches the scope of uh a, a indictment, then we're looking at a potential jury trial with Deshaun Watson and, and, you know, his 
his attorney representing him and and all of these victims. So this is something that could be really huge in the sports world uh, for time to come. So uh, on the on the other side of this, with with his stuff that's happening with um, his contract and whatnot, he signed a four year, hundred sixty million dollar extension in September of twenty twenty. Uh, so that was, you know, when his uh, break the bank contract that he signed with the Texans um, to continue, you know, being their quarterback. And as everybody who pays attention to any of this stuff has seen uh, in the last few months, the the uh, distaste they've now grown for each other. It seems more more Deshaun not liking the Texans organization and wanting out. Um. So the timing of this was peculiar to a lot of people because they, uh, you know, the conspiracy theorists came out of the woodwork to say, well, could this be a, a little bit of an inside job? Because he's now, you know, Deshaun has stated he doesn't want to play another down for the Houston Texans. Um, so a lot of these, you know, the, the conspiracy theorists are stating that they think that there's more to this than meets the eye. Uh, I actually did some research to, See if Tony Busby and Cal McNair, who's the CEO of the Texans, have any type of relationship at all. Um, the the one iffy part about the whole thing is that Tony Busby is actually claiming that uh, he didn't even know Cal McNair's first name, uh, but that has seemed to be proven to be a lie, as they're both high profile people in Houston. Um. There was a, a time where Tony Busby's firm put up a billboard uh, begging Mr. McNair to draft Johnny Manziel. Uh, so it was it was kind of everybody was looking at that like, yeah, you definitely know who who Cal McNair is, and he he definitely knows who you are. But there's still at this point, there's no evidence of any of that that there's any type of collusion or, or anything going on that would that would make this uh, something that is spun out of nowhere uh, based off of. Deshaun, you know, wanting out of Houston, a, a little bit of like a payback from uh, from the Texans organization as they're frustrated. And, and uh, from what I've gathered so far, uh, you know, Deshaun has demanded a trade now for a while. And, uh, you know, the sources you see on, on the outlets that I pay attention to have said that the Texans aren't even picking up the phone and entertaining the idea of a trade. I mean, the, the trade talk went as far as uh, sports books actually putting out odds for what team he would land on. Uh, and, and I think at the closing of that, the Jets were at the time were the favorite. Uh, there was also talk of Miami and, and a few other teams. So uh, I've also seen that despite what is happening, that trade interest is still there. Uh, I think that a lot of teams are probably going to slowly back off as this just continues to grow, uh, you know, from, from three or from four lawsuits. And then it, it went up to 13 in a day. And now we're at 14. Um, and, and all of them, uh, from what I'm reading, uh, you know, the most recent one actually referred to Watson as a serial predator. Uh, so this is going to be a, Really, really interesting uh, case to continue following and see what the NFL does uh, if they throw down a suspension on Watson from team activities or or anything like that pending this investigation. Uh, will the grand jury 
indict. Um, so there's a lot going on here, a lot to follow, and I will make sure uh, to continue bringing this story into uh, the things that sting segment um, until it's closed so we can kind of all keep up with what's happening. It seems to be almost daily at this point that there's a new new story broken about it. So uh, we will continue monitoring and uh, we'll get back to it when there's more to more to discuss. All right. Stay tuned for the next segment. to news surrounding the Buffalo Bills and the Houston Astros. All right, everybody, welcome back. This next segment is called My Hive. Uh, as I previously said, it'll be the segment that will focus around the Buffalo Bills and the Houston Astros. I can tell you right now, it's probably predominantly going to be about the Bills. Uh, I do have some things to say about the Astros here and there as the season unfolds, but uh, they're going to be getting kicked off here in about a month, so... We'll get into more of that then. Uh, as far as it goes right now, I think spring training is way too long, and uh, it's just doesn't really pique my interest too much until opening day. Um, that said, the cheating scandal too, it really kind of put a damper on everything uh, as far as I felt towards that team. There was a uh, uh, – since I was a little kid – I like the Astros and the reason was, and I, a lot of people who are listening probably already know this was when I was a kid, uh, they had the killer bees was Jeff Bagwell, Craig Biggio, Derek Bell, uh, then went to the ABCs when they picked up, uh, Moise Salou and Ken Caminiti, Lance Berkman, I think added into that as well. Uh, but it, you know, since I was a kid, I, I loved them. And my dog's name is Biggio. Craig Biggio is my favorite player of all time. Uh, it just really put a damper on everything when that all came out, because I don't think there was a lot of clarity into when it was happening specifically. Um, you know, they said it was based off of noises they were making. It's how they were stealing the signals, uh, previously recorded stuff, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, I actually attended World Series. Uh, it was game three in Houston. It was the first game I've ever attended in Houston at Minute Maid Park. I've seen the Astros play it countless times at uh, first at PNC and Three Rivers, even going back that far. Um, But PNC Park, and then when they made the transition to the American League, uh, when they did the little realignment, um, I I started going out to Cleveland to watch them play. Uh, So 
you know, I've always followed them, even through the really, really terrible years where it was, I think, uh, 11, 12, and 13, or maybe it was uh, 12, 13, 14, rather. They lost 100 games each of those years. It was like being a Pirates fan. I was miserable. wasn't fun. Uh, but then in 15, you know, they turn it around. They go on this huge win streak, end up uh, making the playoffs, uh, and we're an out away from making it to the World Series if they had beaten uh, Kansas City. I think it was a Carlos Correa error, actually, that cost them that game. So anyways, you know, and then in 16, they miss again. 17, they go on a great run, uh, make it to the World Series. Uh, I finally, you know, I got the green light from Devin. She was like, go. You never know if they'll make it there again. And and you're right. And it's, a, you know, could have been a once-in-a-lifetime thing. The one thing I can say, though, is when I was there, it was it was so loud. You couldn't hear the person next to you. I had a standing room only ticket. Uh, I actually made a friend. His name's DJ. It's who I uh, I still talk to him. He's probably the only person who I can text about the Astros with because uh, I don't really know any other fans other than myself. So it was so loud, though. Like, I don't know. I don't I just don't see how anything could have been heard, but who knows? I, I don't know how, how it all went, but like I said, there just wasn't a lot of clarity and it really kind of put a damper on things, especially when last season they make it back to the ALCS, you know, after the scandal. And it's just, it's just kind of something that I'm there, you know, they're going to be in Cleveland this year. I'm questioning whether or not I want to go. Uh, the fans out there are typically douchebags as it is. So I was, uh, Going out now, it's probably going to be 10 times worse um, heckling you and things like that. And I'm just getting to the age where I just want to be left alone and watch the game. So, like I said, this will be pro- uh, predominantly about the Bills for the most part. They, I do follow them way closely, uh, more more so than Houston even. And it's just something that uh, – so I'm going I'm to get into them a little bit um, here shortly. Uh, the one other thing I did want to say, though, regarding baseball coming up is one team I do want to keep an eye on. I kind of have a little bit of a secret crush on is the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, reason being, Kevin Biggio, Craig's son, plays on that team. Uh, they just signed my favorite player from the Astros, who is George Springer. And, uh, you know, they also have Bo Bichette, who's Dante's kid, and uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr., who it's just going to be a fun team to watch. It's a lot of uh, the children of players who were – you know, in their prime when I was in little league and, and things like that. So it's kind of, kind of a team to keep an eye on. I think they're going to be pretty good and uh, it'll be fun to watch those, those guys come up together and everything. So uh, getting to the bills, that's another, you know, went through a really, really rough spell being a bills fan. It was, you became so accustomed to losing that it just nothing, nothing would surprise you. No lead was safe and, uh, it was a, a brutal time there for a long time. Uh, I think that I can speak for basically all Bills fans when when you look at what McDermott and Bean, when they came in, you could almost just tell that something was going to change, uh, especially uh, following Rex Ryan. Of course, he didn't set the bar real high. I think that was a terrible hire, and, and uh, it was Pagula who – actually kind of took that one on the chin and said, Hey, that one's on me. And, uh, you know, then he brought in Bean and McDermott and, and, uh, it's been pretty great ever since, honestly. Uh, if you look at some of the stuff Brandon Bean did right off the bat, 
Uh, he traded Marcel Darius. He traded Sammy Watkins, Cordy Glenn, Ron Darby. Those were all big contracts. And, and you could tell right from then that they just wanted a fresh start. They weren't looking to build off of what was already there. Uh, they really took the, the key players who were in place at the time and, and just kind of said, you know, we're going to start fresh without you. Uh, you know, and then obviously when they moved up and drafted Josh Allen, we all we all had huge expectations of what he would be. And uh, the jump he took from year two to year three was just insane. Uh, it ended up, I believe, third in voting for the NFL MVP. Just he he answered a lot of questions that people had about him with his accuracy and decision making and things like that. Uh, he still. I think it's his uh, – they refer to him on Good Morning Football as Sugar High Josh Allen. It's when he, he gets in those modes, there's times where he does some stuff where it's just like you hold your breath and hope for the best. Uh, running over linebackers, potentially lateraling the football when it's a terrible time to do so. Just things like that. But, um, yeah, so like I said, the Bills are something that's near and dear to me. I'm in a group chat that uh, with a few friends of mine – uh, Kylie Munch, Sam Pusateri, Justin Federoski, Kyle Hellman, and my neighbor, Tim Swanson. And uh, we, the Bills chat has, goes all year. It's even in the off season, we're talking about things they're doing. Um, you know, during the game, we're, we're usually ripping shots at each other about players who some of us like, some of us don't like. Uh, I had to stay on an anti-Tyler Bash train all year. Uh, because I had started it early, and once I started it, he started kicking really well, so I had to keep it rolling. So I got a lot of shit from that, from those guys, which was – it was just – it's all in fun, and I enjoy it. Um, so I'm going to get into a little bit about what they've done so far, which hasn't been too eye-opening, but uh, some of the players they've retained have just been fantastic. Uh, Levi Wallace. Matt Milano was a huge one uh, to speak of the culture that Buffalo has. I mean, Levi Wallace literally said that he did not want to go anywhere else. So he he told his agent that I don't want to hear offers from other teams. I want to stay in Buffalo and keep this core group together. Uh, Feliciano and Williams. Um, great. Great that they retain those guys Two offensive linemen that are going to be huge. Sorry, I'm reading a text from neighbor Tim, and it appears that they're also keeping Isaiah McKenzie. So I actually just found that out as I'm <laughs> sitting here recording. Uh, so Isaiah McKenzie, that's great because they lost Andre Roberts to the Texans, who was a kick returner. So that should fill that void. Um, some of the players they brought in, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, which I was asked how I felt about that. Uh, I said it would be great if it was 2014. Uh, but the more I read about him, his locker room presence, uh, his ability to block downfield and stuff like that, he's actually probably a pretty good pickup, and it seemed like he was on Bean's radar for the last few years. Uh, they picked up Hawk, the punter. It's spelled H-A-A-C, pronounced Hawk. Looks like Hawk, but uh, he's going to be booting the football, hopefully not too much. Mitch Trubisky, which was a classic uh, tweet that I saw after the Bills signed him to be the backup to Josh Allen a tweet from Kevin Clark from the ringer and Clark stated that 
The Bills are going to develop Trubisky so well that next offseason he's going to sign a one-year $10 million deal to be the Bears starter. So that's hilarious because the dysfunction of the Bears, uh, it's league-wide. Everybody kind of jokes about that. So it's it's a a good time joke, I thought. Um, Jacob Hollister, who they signed, who looks like Dawson Knox's twin. is going to be a new tight end. Signed to a veteran minimum. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about him other than he was a teammate of Josh Allen at Wyoming. Uh, He's over four years in his career, 74 receptions, 652 yards, and six touchdowns. Um, Reading more about him, it sounded like he was – he's extremely versatile, can run block, and uh, might be like an upgrade from a Lee Smith is what I'm kind of gathering from it. Um, I don't know what – they're going to do as far as a number one with that, if they're going to continue on with Knox or if they're going to keep looking in the market. But so yeah, I don't know what they're going to do at the tight end position. Uh, you have reports coming out now that they're close to landing Kyle Rudolph, who ultimately goes to the Giants. Uh, I know day one of free agency, my eyes were glued to what Johnny Smith was doing. Uh, he ends up going to New England, uh, which is another signing that I believe was certainly money-driven. Uh, John, who went from being completely underused in Tennessee for, for what I believe he's capable of and the run heavy offense in Tennessee, he goes to another, the, the second leading run heavy offense in the NFL last year was new England. They go to new, he goes to new England. Uh, and I just don't see, I don't believe his numbers are going to inflate much from what they have been. And, uh, I think, a he would have been a much better fit in the pass heavy offense, which is what I didn't think I'd ever see in Buffalo, but here we are with Allen throwing 30 plus times a game and not because they're trailing and, and trying to play catch up. Uh, so, you know, you, continuing on the tight end, we, we look a few years back to Tyler Croft signing. A lot of us were hoping, you know, this guy could really make a difference. Uh, he filled in for Tyler Eifert in 2017 in Cincinnati, 42 catches, 404 yards, seven touchdowns. Um, that, that just wasn't – he just wasn't a guy who panned out when he came to Buffalo. Uh, aside from a few big catches that he did have, um, you look back at the 2019 campaign, he, he caught the uh, – ended up being the game-winning touchdown against the Steelers. And then – uh, the this past season, the 2020 season, he caught the go-ahead touchdown against the Rams. Uh, but if, aside from a few big plays like that, he was pretty much non-existent. So it'll be interesting to see. But I think that the hunt will continue there. I don't think Hollister is the is the final sitting point, and that we that we're going to be uh, going another season of just Dawson Knox. So so we'll keep an eye on that. Now, the one thing that I really don't think Bean has addressed at all, and I'm hoping that something gives here soon, whether it be by trade or or, or a, a dark horse free agent maybe, but uh, the pass rush has just not been addressed, and that's something that was pretty atrocious last year, for to put it lightly. Uh, very little pressure on the quarterback, uh, which part of the reason why the defense was just always on their heels. Uh, the quarterback had – basically all day to throw the ball. So uh, that's something that you, you see Judon, Yannick, these guys are going off the board quickly and, and you don't even hear a rumor of Buffalo engaging in, in talks with any of these guys. Doesn't mean they aren't, but 
even the rumor mill, you're just not hearing much of anything. Uh, talking with neighbor Tim just recently, uh, one of the things that we thought could have been a possibility for, for why this is, is that uh, maybe they believe that with Star Latulier, who's coming back, he, he had opted out last year for COVID. Uh, he was one of two Bills players who did. It was EJ Gaines and Star. Star's coming back. Uh, he's He was missed last year, definitely, in the run defense specifically. Uh, not necessarily the pass rush, but with Star, his abilities to absorb blocks uh, could allow a guy like Ed Oliver or Hughes or Addison to you know, get a little bit more, a few more pressures a game anyways. And with Ed, that's just another whole nother topic. Uh, Ed Oliver really hasn't come out of his shell. That's something we've all been waiting for. Uh, He's going to be entering his third year. So like to see some leaps and bounds there uh, because that's an experiment that I I don't know that he's going to, you know, really get maybe that contract that he's going to want or the attention that he's going to want when, when it comes time for his rookie deal to expire. Uh, he just hasn't been as effective as, as everybody was really anticipating with him, uh, including the analysts, you know, on draft night, com- making short comparisons to uh, Aaron Donald, which if, if they are even putting him in the same sentence as Aaron Donald, obviously that means they, they had some big expectations for him because Aaron Donald is the, the standard for a D lineman in the NFL. Uh, but you have guys like Addison and uh, Vernon Butler on the D line who are restructuring. Uh, they're you know they're making moves to create more cap space, and it just doesn't seem like it was uh, a big need for them. Which I think, if you look at the way it was this year defensively, and what just about everybody else on the planet is saying about when you're referencing the Bills defense is the pass rush is a major need. So uh, I don't know if the draft is a plan. You know, you have a late pick this year. They're picking 30th. Uh, that's not not really, you're, you know, you're not going to get your, well, I can't, you know, you can't say what you're going to get in the draft. Draft's definitely a crapshoot uh, in, in every round. You never know how a guy's going to pan out. But you're not going to get your your prototypical, you know, your Chase Young, your your real high draft pick uh, that everybody knows is just going to make an immediate impact, like a Bosa or, or something along those lines. At pick thirty, if one falls down there, there's probably a good reason for it because uh, I, 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 nobody's going to pass up on a, on a good pass rusher. It's just if they're available, people take them. So. Um, yeah, it's, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of these free agent signings too. I'd already kind of touched on the Sanders deal. Um, Hawk, uh, again, new punter Borquez is gone. Uh, it didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me. I couldn't imagine that the contract for either would have been much different. Uh, but it's another left footed punter. McDermott seems to love those. Uh, the Trubisky signing is actually kind of it, – it's not bad. I mean, it's a very cheap deal. Proven quarterback, maybe not a great – well, definitely not a great quarterback, but a good quarterback. It's a good backup to have if, if something were to happen to Allen, God forbid. It's not a bad guy to have in place. Um, 
So, and then the resigning of Isaiah McKenzie, which I had previously touched on as I, I found that update out as I was recording. Um, so that, that's, that's a huge deal too. I think he brings a lot to the table as far as the gadget play. Uh, the, the jet sweep was kind of his bread and butter last year. Uh, and I do really think it fills the void for Andre Roberts going to Houston. The uh, field position that Buffalo was provided last year by Andre Roberts was incredible. Uh, he had some very, very nice returns. Never took one to the house last year, uh, but Isaiah McKenzie did in week 17 against the Dolphins. So I think that that could uh, take a little bit of pressure off the search for a return, man. Uh, but other than that, that's pretty much all I needed to touch on at this point. Uh, again, I just hope moving forward that the, the pass rush is, is addressed in one way or another. Uh, I think that's going to be really what puts Buffalo over the edge. Uh, if you want to beat Kansas City, which is the, the class of the AFC the last two years, uh, if, if that's the team that you know you're going to get stacked up against down the road, a pass rush is imperative and, and Tampa Bay showed that in the Super Bowl um, by, you know, putting so much pressure on Mahomes that, that he struggled to make even some of the insane passes that he typically does. So if that's who you're competing against to get to the next level, uh, that's what you're going to need to to defeat them. And uh, so I'm hoping again, that that's something they address. I know uh, when JJ Watt was released, there was a lot of rumor of him, having interest in Buffalo and Buffalo having interest back. Uh, was, that was something that was just extremely disappointing to me. Uh, I always viewed JJ as a, a guy who really just wanted to win. And, and I think when he came out and said a contender is where he wanted to go, that's what he, you know, that's what he wants uh, that I had zero thoughts that Arizona would have been where he ended up. But when you look at the money, and like they say, the money talks. That's where he ends up. Uh, that place is kind of becoming a dumping ground for uh, some of the best players to ever play in Houston. So that's just, uh, you know, the way the league goes. And hopefully, like I said, hopefully they can address that as my, my biggest, what I think is their biggest need right now. Uh, with Wallace coming back at corner, we're pretty secure there. Uh, Dane Jackson, uh, who, who every game he was called up off the practice squad last year, uh, played extremely well, great tackler. Uh, he, he caused a couple turnovers. So I think he's another one who could compete for a roster spot too and add depth to that secondary. Uh, so like I said, I will be talking more, a little bit more about the baseball side of this when, the season kicks off uh, here in about a month, so we'll get into that a little bit and, and uh, lots of different topics to go on with baseball. It's a long season and uh, a ton going on all the time, especially with no salary cap. So there's uh, always teams to talk about when it comes to that. Like I said uh, earlier, I think the Blue Jays will be fun to watch. I think the Padres are going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, so... Hopefully the Astros can keep pace with some of these teams, but they're out there spending money and the Astros really aren't. They keep the homegrown mentality, uh, which I actually kind of can appreciate to a degree, but sometimes you got to 
puts pieces in place and you know that's what gets your team to the next level so well that'll do it for the my hive segment i uh, appreciate everybody listening and we'll uh, get back to more of this on the next uh next episode thanks see you soon sports podcast thank everybody for listening really appreciate it i've gotten some cool feedback from people and ideas and stuff like that so i'm just going to see where this goes like i said my expectations aren't anything high i'm just trying to find a new hobby i guess and talk about sports and be able to uh, post these episodes uh, and have you guys engage with me and argue and discuss and agree and disagree and all that good stuff so uh, just wanted to note one thing uh, there are some future segments that are going to be coming uh, I'm going to be doing a sports betting segment that'll be more focused around when football starts back up again uh, I do dabble into a little bit of uh, college hoops betting and uh, NHL betting but uh, uh, my real love for sports betting lies with football NFL and college football I'm going to be doing a segment called the three bagger uh, each week during the NFL. It's going to be my three best bets. uh, In my opinion, the best bets of the week uh, on the NFL board. Uh, I'm also going to be having some guests on uh, doing some interviews. I have a a little bit of a list compiled of people who I'm going to bring on and do some recordings with and just uh, implement it into the show. So thanks again for listening. Uh, Check out the Facebook page, Beehive Sports Podcast. Uh, I'll be posting uh, the episodes and such on there, maybe a few other things here and there, uh, but it'll give you guys an opportunity to provide feedback and, and give your opinions on stuff that's going on and uh, engage in a discussion, uh, whatever it may be about. So thanks again for listening and uh, we'll see you soon.